like radio, less like crap. Only alcohol can make life bearable. You must drink, always drink. I blame this all on Kevin, DMU. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. And he only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He really talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he was he was right there with us talking about my own minute. Alcohol by Volume? Oh, I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume, awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show. Because by hour two, he's blitzed. I'll bet. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin's some stupid piece of weird Polish last name. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol in my volume. Alcohol in my volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it? It's nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin right? So you're blaming the drunker. Yes, I'm blaming the MLI drunker, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! everybody, welcome to another fun-filled edition of Alcohol by Volume. Episode number 103, it is Tuesday, March 24th, 2015. Uh, let me activate Skype here. Okay, now I'm online. So if you want to Skype in, it's Alcohol by Volume, all one word, and the phone number 862-345-7125. The easiest way to remember that. <laughs> ah, yes. 862 alcohol. Um, this is a, I'm actually having my first drink in three days right now, which I know is is uh, pr- pretty amazing for me at least. Okay, okay, shut the fuck up. Um, but I had a, another stomach bug over the weekend resulting pretty much in my intestines liquefying, which was delightful. Uh, so minimal drinking over the weekend, minimal eating too. So I'm gonna be nice and svelte the next time I step on a scale, apparently. But that said, I did end up actually purchasing things. Um, purchased some before the what the hell? Oh God! Oof! Why am I on Twitter right now? Evil, evil, evil. Um, did purchase some things over the weekend before I got. Uh, this horrendous diarrhea, liquid blah, stuff. On Saturday, I picked up a growler fill of Trogue's Nugget Nectar, just because I could. It was on tap, and I figured, what the fuck? Uh, I, at some point during the week, and I don't remember because I probably blacked out over it, I picked up a bottle of Victory Deep Cocoa, which I have mentioned on the show in the past in the new releases and reveals. Might have been last week, might have been the week before. And then I also picked up another thing that I've mentioned on the show, a six-pack of Oscar Blues Pinner Throwback uh, IPA in uh, cans. Now, this is the second supposedly smells-like-weed beer that I've tried, and it, I don't know. It, it just it doesn't... <laughs> Dennis already in the chat. African-American doubt. I'm so sorry. Wait, do I actually have black people listening to this show? I mean, does J5 listen? 
because he he said I could he said I could use those words. I'm, I'm completely positive he said that. But um, the, the Oscar Blues, another another one of the beers that is supposed to smell like weed, and I just don't get it. I'm not picking up that aroma off of it. It's not like I don't know what weed smells like. It just I don't know for some reason my nose ain't picking it up. But still pretty good. It's a good IPA. I've got no complaints about that. It was you know cheap enough. Um, ABV is bordering upon sessionable, so I can't complain too much about that. Right now, I'm drinking something ugh, that there's going to be a review up for in, let's see, one, two, shit, wow, I'm stockpiling these. It'll probably be up in two and a half to three weeks. Um, I kind of, well, I, I kind of went crazy and shooting some stuff, and uh, yeah, so I have reviews coming out the wazoo. So, this one will be coming up. Um, if you listen to last show, you well, last show, show before, I don't fucking know. You'll probably know particularly which beer I'm talking about and why I may have gone blech. It's not totally blech, but there's an element of it that is kind of blech. But I'm still drinking it anyway because I paid for it, and it's not it's it's not enough on the bad end of things that it's a drain pour. I'll just say that. You gotta watch the review. You'll find out. And where is that review, Kevin? Oh, that would be at youtube.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. And you can subscribe there and everything and watch my videos. I, I've put up, let's see, uh, how many do I have live right now? 33 different reviews so far. Shocking, right? Um, yeah, so check all those out. Give me some Give me some more views. I mean, you know, they're monetized, but I'm not making any money. So somebody do something. Come on. Um, oh, okay. I was trying to figure out what window I was in. And, ah. Oh yeah, we go. Oh shit! Yeah, there are some hockey games tonight too, aren't there? Starting at seven o'clock. Let's see. Let me let me let me do my picks for who I want to win tonight. Uh, Minnesota and the Islanders. Uh, let's say Islanders. Uh, Los Angeles and the Rangers. Go Rangers, cause fuck the Kings. Uh, Blues and Pittsburgh. Fuck the Penguins. Go Blues. Anaheim and Columbus. I don't really have a horse in that race, so I'll say. Uh, I don't know. Go Anaheim. I like Columbus, but they're way out of it. Uh, Arizona and Detroit. If uh, Detroit loses to Arizona, I am going to have to wear a bag over my head tomorrow. Florida and Tampa Bay. Uh, let's go Florida because I'd like to see them make Boston sweat even more. Uh, Montreal and Nashville. Uh, I don't give a shit. Uh, let's just say Nashville. Eh, Winnipeg and Vancouver. Let's say, I don't know. Uh, make it a three-point game. Go into overtime, please. Please, make make the Kings uh, get a little bit more fucked over there with their 84 points. And uh, that was that was today's hockey talk. I know, not very exciting, right? Uh, but my game starts at 7.30, so uh, I may be a little distracted by that point. But fuck you. You know, I can, I can multitask. Come on. I've been doing this for two years now. I know what's going on. So let's move on to, to what's been in the news. Uh, from Bloomberg Business, Bloomberg.com. Diageo, Diageo, the uh, owners of such wonderful products as Guinness, which I do still have a few uh, cans of Guinness sitting in my fridge downstairs. Diageo is adding nutrition labels to their products. Uh, drinkers will soon find out just how good Guinness is for them as Diageo PLC plans to display nutritional information on its Smirnoff Vodka, 
Tanqueray Gin, and the iconic Irish Stout. The world's biggest distiller will disclose alcoholic content and nutritional information per serving on its responsible drinking website or on product packaging as soon as possible, the London-based company said Thursday in an emailed statement. Diageo, which operates in more than 180 countries, is working with regulators globally and has already gained approval for a label on its products in the U.S. from the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau, it said. Consumers are increasingly discerning about what's in their glass. Diageo Chief Executive Officer Ivan uh, Menezes, almost seems like there's a D missing in there, Menezes, uh, said in the statement, we're committed to ensuring our customers have the, or I'm sorry, consumers have the best possible information from which to make informed choices. I'll jump in here and say, I have no problem with this. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, I would not expect craft beer to even come close to being able to do this. You see a little bit of nutritional info on, you know, some Anheuser-Busch beers and stuff like that. I know Bud Light has the calorie count at least on theirs. Uh, you have some ciders that have nutrition facts on there. Um, I'm trying to think if... I think Woodchuck does. I don't know about Angry Orchard. but So you'll see some of that on there, and you'll get the ca- calorie counts and all that. Uh, actually, that, that that just dawned on me. I, I can't remember if they had a calorie count on the most recent Out on a, out on a Limb release for Woodchuck. And I still have at least a couple bottles of that left, so I'll have to check that out. But I, I have no problem with this. I mean, people fucking neurotic calorie counters like me. I mean, we're, we're going to find the calories anyway. Um, you know, usually you can get a, a fair range of the calorie count per 12-ounce serving on uh, rate beer. Rate beer is always good for that. Um, if you can't find it for a specific beer, you can usually kind of eyeball it based on similar beers of similar ABV and stuff like that. And again, look them up on uh, look them up on rate beer. Dennis is pissed that I'm taking the Rangers over the Kings, and he hopes I get explosive diarrhea mid-show. Oh, come on, dude. W- wouldn't wouldn't you rather see the Kings miss the playoffs the year after winning the Stanley Cup? Then they won't be the last team to miss the playoffs after winning the... Well, actually, wait. I take that back. Devils might not be the last team. Uh... Uh, who has... See, I, I want to make sure I'm right about this because I can't remember if, like, Carolina missed at all, if Tampa missed. Who has missed the playoffs after winning the Stanley Cup? See, I, I, I have... I, I'm thinking of the Devils here. Want to make the Devils look better, especially since they might, might, might be getting Kovalchuk event, uh, back eventually. Um, fuck. God damn it. Ah, da, 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 da. shit. Uh, okay. Well, maybe maybe, uh, maybe Yahoo Answers will help me here. Um, ah, shit. You know what? Carolina did miss after winning in 2006. They missed 06, 07. And before that, it was the Devils who missed in 95, 96 after winning in 95 over uh, the Red Wings. Sweep. Oof. Ugh. Hurt. Um, yeah, post-expansion has happened four times. So, 68 Leafs. Uh, Montreal in 69, Devils in 95, Hurricanes in 05. So uh, the Kings would be in rare company if they're able to blow that. I'd love to see that. Ah. Oof. Ah. Ah. Dennis says uh, he would rather see the Kings not make the playoffs. But, dude, the Rangers, the Rangers are top in the league right now. There's no way they're not making the playoffs. I mean, if I look at the standings right now, Hold on a second. Uh, 
There is there is no fucking way the Rangers miss the playoffs unless everybody else around them fucks up and they fuck up too. Let's see. They're they're tied with Montreal in points with two games in hand. Uh let's see, look over at the West. They're two points ahead of St. Louis with two games in hand. Rangers are probably gonna get the president's trophy at this point. Um unless suddenly Talbot shits the bed. And I heard that Lundquist is coming back this weekend anyway. Um, you know, or if, you know, Montreal goes on a tear and the Rangers get kind of wishy-washy. So, dude, dude, just accept the fact that accept the fact that the Rangers are in the playoffs and the Kings have a chance of getting completely fucked over by the Rangers and not making the playoffs. I mean, don't, don't you remember uh, a few years ago when they beat you? Uh, the only team over which I would root for the Rangers is the fucking Flyers. Really? Huh. Okay, you know what, dude? I cannot fault you. That means you are a you are a true, true, true Devils fan. Cannot fault you for that. That it would be like me. Honestly, it'd be like me rooting for Chicago, or well, I I would I would say St. Louis, but I have to root for them over the Penguins because fuck the Penguins. Um, I don't really have the animosity for the Blues that I used to back when you know whole Central Division foes, but Chicago definitely. Um. If this was still, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I would probably still have that ultimate hatred for Toronto. But now it's just sad. Um, yeah. And I don't know, Dennis, do you not want Kovalchuk to come back? I mean, it, w- it wouldn't be until the season after next anyway. But you guys, as far as I can tell, have the rights to him. So, uh, Wow. Total hockey tangent there. Wonderful. Let me get back to Diageo and their, their calorie stuff. Uh, Diageo said it's the first company to voluntarily disclose nutritional information on alcoholic drinks. The move is a smart one. Mm, is that, though? Uh, no, because Woodchuck has been doing it. So I don't get that. Uh, but anyway, uh, the move is a smart one that's out in front of the trend for packaged food and beverage products to disclose more about what's inside the product. Maybe Maybe Woodchucks aren't fully, fully detailed nutrition facts. I don't know. Um... And I don't think Bloomberg is stupid enough to do comments on their articles, so nothing on that. Um, uh, so, damn. Uh, what do we got next? More gas stations want to sell beer on tap. This frightens me a little bit. Now, when I get my growler fills, I go to a liquor store that does growler fills. If, uh, well, if I'm going to a gas station... My my first impression, well, okay, no no offense to people that typically work at gas stations and convenience stores. I've had friends that have worked there. I, I know good people that work there, but a lot of the time you get these people that are just kind of zombied out, working the register, you know, making sure the, uh, the hot dogs on the rollers, you know, hide the mold spots and whatnot. <sighs> Even if those particular zombies are trained to do the growler fills are they going to be as fastidious as yes i said fastidious fuck you as the guys filling growlers at your local bar or liquor store but let's see what the article here has to say move over slushy machines sorry i had to do an apu voice there Gas stations and convenience stores are making room for a more adult beverage dispenser. Draft beer taps where customers can have 64-ounce growlers filled with beer to go have been installed in dozens of gas stations, grocery stores, and other retailers around the country. 
And before I forget, this is from uh, USA Today. Good old USA Today. Uh, no offense to... I, Dennis, how do, how do I do an impression of a zombified um, convenience store clerk? I mean, I could do a basic convenience store clerk. Oh, no, we do not take EBT. Get the fuck out of here. No, no, get your EBT out of here. You cannot buy cigarettes with EBT. You cannot. No, no, no. No, no. Get the fuck out of here with that welfare check. No, no. Go home. Go home to your baby daddy if you can still find him. <laughs> and, you know, shit like that. That's what Dennis came to the show for. That's that's basically it. Uh, you can leave now if you want, Dennis. About 35 states allow retailers to sell the refillable half-gallon jugs known as growlers, according to the Brewers Association, a national trade group. And several states, including Florida, Iowa, and Missouri, are considering laws to allow the practice. Some brewers are skeptical, and this is the problem I have, about putting their beer on tap in gas stations and corner stores. And wholesalers have voiced opposition to growler-friendly laws, which they say undermine tested alcohol distribution systems. Well, you know, okay, fuck the wholesalers, because... It, it, they're the ones that fuck up, you know, growler laws in Florida. They're the ones that fuck up shit in Pennsylvania. Uh, one of the first retailers to embrace growlers was Sunoco. A fuel and convenience store company opened its first craft beer exchange in a 2011, uh, in 2011 at a Buffalo, New York gas station. I am curious if I have any Buffalo listeners that have exper- gone to this growler station and how it's run. I'm very curious. There, there's a picture. Um... Well, actually, this is from something different. This, uh, there's a picture they have from an Albertsons uh, from apparently Arizona. Um, looks like the beers they got on tap. Uh, can't really zoom in, so I'm trying to tell. I, I see what looks like Ballast Point Sculpin. I see something from Green Flash. Uh, fuck, I recognize that tap, and I can't remember what it is. Um uh, Raj IPA. So, definitely definitely good craft stuff there, I'm assuming. Uh, today's Sunoco fills growlers in 65 convenience stores in New York and South Carolina. Each has 6 to 12 beers on tap, ranging from $8 to $20 per half gallon. Customers can bring in an empty growler or buy one for about $4. That's a fair price. Uh, employees trained to work the taps seal or fill and seal the growlers. So... They are trained for it. Oh, and Dennis posted a picture right here of uh, Craft Beer Exchange, and uh, um, a, a lovely girl wearing a uh, wearing one of those button-up Sunoco shirts, uh, holding the growlers. So, um, and actually, the, the way the way it's set up, uh, Dennis posted another picture from Craft Beer Exchange. I see Trogues, I see Amagang, Sam Adams, Magic Hat, Sierra Nevada, Dogfish Dogfish Head, sixty minute IPA. I see Stone, Ithaca. Flying Bison, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, shouldn't Flying Dog be suing them? Because, you know, flying, somebody might confuse it. Uh, Brooklyn, uh, Lake Placid. So, that's actually actually pretty cool here. Um, and it doesn't look to be that different a setup than I would see Growler Fills at my, you know, local liquor store. Again, I, I just, I worry when it comes to the training. Um, a guy at a liquor store, he, he's working at that liquor store and at the growler fill station, or he, or basically he's working at a good liquor store that does growler fills, probably because he has an interest in it. Um, 
meanwhile, you go to one of these Sunokos and you mention, I don't know, say Pliny the Elder to the person doing the growler fill. I'm wondering how likely it is that they're going to know what the hell you're talking about. But let me continue. In the craft beer-loving Pacific Northwest, the Growler guys have opened 10 franchises. The company's original location in a Shell gas station in Bend, Oregon, has more than 30 beers on tap. In Irvine, California, a company called the Growler Station manufactures equipment that uses carbon dioxide to keep beer fresh longer in growlers. Um, and, it, yeah, I've, I've you know seen those kind of systems that you know keep it more kind of sealed, I guess. Give it more of a more of a punch to keep it fresh. Since 2012, the company has installed its patented growler filling system in more than 100 gas stations, grocery stores, and other shops. Uh, some brewers remain skeptical. Uh, brewers guilds in Colorado and California voiced opposition to retailers filling growlers. The concern, again, concern here too. The concern is that a dirty keg line or an unwashed growler could result in tainted beer that reflects poorly on the brewer. That is. I, I've seen I've seen the state of certain gas stations, uh, conven in convenience stores, where uh, I, I I I would not buy food there. Thus, I, I'm probably not going to get beer there either. Um, okay, yeah, Dennis does have a good point. He says everything tastes better at the gas station. Everyone knows that knows that it'll be a huge success, like gas station sushi, or those wonderful wrapped sandwiches that you find at gas stations. Those are great, and they they got a you know, wonderful, completely clean microwave that you can throw it into that is certainly not going to give you AIDS. Come on. But you, you see, you know, you, you watch Bar Rescue and you see these guys that can't keep their fucking lines clean. And that's a bar. That is a bar that is specifically dealing with alcoholic beverages. I worry about a gas station doing this. But if there's success in certain avenues with this, shit, why not? Um... Let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, Dave Ropti, president of the Iowa Brewers Guild and co-founder of 515 Brewing in suburban Des Moines, said he's open a convenience store selling growlers but would prefer customers buy beer directly from breweries. Well, oh, yeah, okay, fine. If you can buy it directly from the brewery, do it. But not everybody can do that. Growlers are sometimes the best way to do that. Um, I can't go down to Carton, you know, every weekend if I want to try and get some, you know, um, you know, uh, a growler of O-Dub uh, but I have two places out here that will fill me a growler easily and they, you know constantly getting fresh stuff from Carton um, so I can understand I can definitely understand the reasoning for wanting to put these growlers in I don't understand his reasoning of saying eh, buy it directly from the brewery instead he goes on to say there's a reason gas stations and grocery stores want to do it. They can buy a keg a heck of a lot cheaper than they can buy bottles so they can make a lot more money selling growlers. Yeah, but you're, chances are you're getting fresher beer that way too. And I see uh, welcome to the chat there, Sherry. Uh, beverage distributors have also voiced opposition to laws expanding where and how growlers can be sold. Of course they are. You're not selling something like popsicles, said Mike Heller, a lobbyist for the Iowa Wholesalers Association. Yes, because beer and popsicles are very similar, right? Uh, you're selling something that has a lot of taxation and a lot of controls on how it can be sold and distributed, and we think those controls are good public policy dating back to prohibition. Nah. Wait, is Dennis harassing me on Twitter? Uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. I appreciate the uh, kind of backhanded promotion. Um, let's, see, let's see if there are any brilliant comments in this article. Um, 
One person says, it's a stupid idea. Somebody else says, um, no. Oh, dear. <sighs> okay, here we go. Karen J. Cravey. <clears throat> why in the Well, okay. <laughs> she meant why in the world, but she posted, she typed why in the worst. So I'll just say that. Why in the worst do with all the... Wow. Oh, my... Proofread your shit before you type, people. I gotta read this. Why in the worst do with all the drunk driving incidents would someone want to create a... And this is uh, this is going to be in uh, caps. So I'm going to put the mic back a little bit from my mouth. Perfect opportunity to drink and drive even easier! This is a perfect example of money being someone's god. They couldn't care less about human life. Of course, we have Andy Hapka from Racing Wisconsin with the voice of reason. That's just a knee-jerk reaction. Someone could easily buy a six-pack and drink them on the way home. This by no means encourages drunk driving. <laughs> fucking, what a fucking moron this Karen J. Cravey is. Seriously, selling... In Michigan, gas stations sell beer by the can and bottle. Come on. They do it in New York State too, correct? This woman's a fucking moron. Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. Yeah, somebody else, Alexander Mitchell, says as if you couldn't, as if you couldn't already go to a liquor store of, or food market and buy an alcoholic beverage with a screwable uh, screw top. Hold on, just a second. Okay, sorry. W work related text there. Had to end up for a little bit. Uh, people in their hysterical drama. Uh, yeah, like the six packs they sell. Okay. How about um, Cindy Jenks, who is apparently a munchkin at the Land of Oz? How about a drive through window? Better yet, a drive through bar. Well, actually, they're kind of, you know, I've seen those in Canada. Um, have your favorite liquor concoction made by a bartender. Might have to widen the roads and reinforce the building. Just think of all the new jobs. More paramedics, nurses, doctors, auto body repair, tow truck drivers, police officers. Job, jobs, jobs. Cemeteries would be making a killing. Or is it all the killing that would be making the cemeteries? Holy shit, these fucking stupid ass cunts. And Dennis wants me to do the rest of the show in that voice. <laughs> I will have no voice by the end of the show if I do that. That hurts to do. Um, uh, Charlie Moore. Okay, I got to do a different voice because this is a guy. Um, trying to think of a... Uh, okay. Just another way to deliver a drug that people are going to get anyway. Even if the store didn't sell it. People would make the stuff themselves. They need their fix. And we'll stop at nothing to get it. Now excuse me while I ride my, my scooter through the McDonald's drive-thru and get my Big Macs. 
<coughs> God damn it, I can't do this. Oh, idiots. Uh, let's see if anybody else says anything stupid here. Um, somebody else, at least this person didn't say it in a particularly whiny fashion. Donald Vetter, in a way this sounds good, but put it in a supermarket or a liquor store. Gas stations mean drivers, and this idea means more, more drunk drivers. Bad idea. The first part of it, he was fine. By the second part, he fucking lost it. Um, supermarket growler stations exist. Liquor store growler stations exist. It's a matter of where you can put them. Um, okay, here we go. Doug Foster from Franklin, Ohio. Uh, oh, who just looks like a douche wearing a horrible, practically see-through button-up work shirt, but it, the sleeves are rolled up, and he's wearing sunglasses and has a soul patch because he's cool. This crap gets crazier and crazier. How about pot, meth, or heroin? Maybe fake driver's license? Seriously? Where the hell did that come from? Oh, oh, here we go. Okay. Um, Alan Alsbrook replied to this. Those drugs are more readily available on most streets without the need for a store to sell them. Next part of your hysterical performance? To which Doug Foster chimed back, Hysterical? F you, idiot. One more Libby smartass. Of course. To which Alan Ellsbrook responded back, I'm a Jewish American conservative. Kick rocks, dick. And that's the comments for that article. Ah, USA Today comments. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, Dennis wants an animator just to animate segments of the show. Sorry, animation is a little bit out of uh, out of my realm. If if somebody was able to do something like, uh, if any of you listen to uh, the Rooster Teeth podcast, they do uh, Rooster Teeth animated adventures based on certain certain conversations and stuff from the podcast. And they're very very basic animations, but I guess they actually put a lot into them. It's kind of a stick figurey kind of thing, but apparently the animators do a lot of work on it. So if there are any animators out there listening to the show that want to animate segments like that, you are more than welcome to do it. Um, just, you know, show me and then upload it to YouTube. Hell, I could upload it to my YouTube. Uh, this next article kind of annoyed me, and it annoyed people that were jumping into comments and stuff for it, too. According to Esquire, everyone has been drinking Guinness wrong, including Guinness. Of course, they put a little tagline that it's still as insanely drinkable as ever. Now, let me explain. Start with the article here. And actually, um, I probably need this. Wait, what the fuck? Where the fuck did... Oh, there we go. And... Oh, here we go, yeah. Tilt a 20-ounce tulip pine 45 degrees. Let the 6 degrees Celsius draft beer flow down the glass's side until filled three-quarters of the way to the harp logo. Then let that settle for 86 seconds before topping it off. Yeah. Exactly 119.53 seconds later, you... Have a perfect pint. Yeah. Okay. So they explain that is that is the that is how you pour a perfect Guinness pint. You know, I think a lot of us are familiar with 
that particular procedure. We may not necessarily wait the entire, you know, 119.53 seconds, but we try and do it. it, it it's a it's a tradition kind of thing. And to me, you know, it, whether it's right or wrong, come on, it is a traditional way to pour a Guinness. But anyway, they continue on here. No beer is presented with more ceremony and rules than Guinness. Diageo, one of the world's most prominent alcoholic beverage conglomerates, calls that the Guinness experience. Yes. This is where they start to lose me. Crusty Irishmen call that the proper way to serve a Guinness. I call that a brilliant marketing scam and a waste of valuable drinking time. Okay, Aaron Goldfarb, why is that? Um, Guinness is a fine enough dry stout, something even most beer geeks will readily admit. It's surely one of the most gorgeous beers around. Yes, this is true. With that deceptively dark ruby red body topped by a creamy mocha dome of a head. Okay, I will give this guy credit, realizing that the beer is not brown, that it is a dark ruby. Not a lot of people realize that. Its taste is a little less remarkable in this era of big, bold imperial stouts, but still, it's roasty, creamy, and insanely drinkable. Okay, nothing to argue with there. He's right about that. Um, hardly motor oil thick like neophyte drinkers seem to believe. I used to be one of those. It's the light beer that doesn't need to brag about it, only about 125 calories per 12 ounces. On those increasingly rare nights nowadays when I find myself drinking pints well into the double digits, it's often Guinness I'm throwing back. Okay. And th there's nothing that he said about Guinness there that's wrong. Everything was right there. And then... This is when it starts to go downhill. Still, there are countless beers in this world, and no others have the gall to claim that six steps are necessary to get their liquid from a keg into your glass. Then he links a two-minute pouring tutorial video on Guinness's website. He said, it seems like satire. I've watched YouTube videos on how to hit a golf ball out of a pot bunker or tie a bow tie that are briefer. But you say the pour has to be special because Guinness is special. Even that's hardly true anymore. Guinness served is... Yeah, exclusively served on nitrogen. We know about nitro taps and blah, 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 blah. Unquestionably, nitro taps pour differently than standard lines coming out rich and velvety and indeed taking a little while to settle, but not that long. So, and it, it, he he continues to say how it, the, the two-part pour might have worked better back in the days when fewer beers were available as nitro pours. But now, more and more beers are doing nitro. And as far as I know, none of them have the kind of ceremony behind it as Guinness. So, he actually wanted to do a side-by-side -side test. Um, before that, he said, uh, Kyle Kensru has heard all the myths about Guinness as well. Uh, he's a certified Cicerone and the beer director at New York's Randolph Beer. And he said... They say that by taking your time and pouring Guinness in increments, you're able to let the beer cascade after each pour, making it more dense and creamy. I've never actually tried to pour in increments, but the science makes sense to me, although he also noted you could do it with any nitro beer, theoretically. Okay. Um, fine. Especially the, um, the Guinness in cans that has the widget in there. Definitely. Um, I do notice, myself, I notice a difference on the head of a Guinness if I pour it all at once. It's not. It's not as thick. It's not as it's not thick and creamy. Oh. So he did the side by side test. Went to an Irish pub in Midtown during off hours. Gave the bartender an odd request: a proper 119.53 second Guinness and one Guinness pulled like he'd pull a Bud Light. 
I asked him to serve them to me blindly and side by side, but that ultimately didn't matter. Now, remember that line there, how he says it ultimately didn't matter. Because he contradicts himself coming up here. It was self-evident, which was the properly poured Guinness, as its head was noticeably thicker compared to the quickly poured pint, which was bubbly and frothy. Okay, you just contradicted yourself right there. The head in a Guinness does matter. You, you, you pick up aromas off a better head, and aroma is part of taste. And then he also says, still... Aside from a slightly less creamy mouthfeel, the taste was the same. And I doubt anything but the most discerning palate would have noticed a difference. Well, you know what? If you get a slightly less creamy mouthfeel, that's different. And I would say that's a significant difference. That's something that matters. Uh, people that drink beer, you know what? Sometimes they actually care about things like mouthfeel. And I don't like necessarily using that term because it comes across very beer snobbish but how many times have you had a beer that the taste might be there but it just feels thin it just feels thin in your mouth and something about that sits wrong with you and that that can that can make or break a beer sometimes that is the difference between these two pints that he had poured um Ah, uh, sure. Patience is a virtue in this increasingly faster and faster modern world. There's nothing wrong with waiting for something quality to be crafted before your eyes. I'm guilty myself of enjoying the... Ex oh, good... Go okay. <sighs> Lose me again here. I'm guilty myself of enjoying the experience of watching a hipster mixologist in a tight vest take a good 15 minutes to carve a flawless ice square meticulously measure and stir it, and then delicately express a swath of orange peel just to make a simple Negroni. Okay, dude, so fuck you and your dislike of Guinness tradition. <sighs> Oof. Um, it, it, it's a ritual. It's tradition. It's... And, do you have to do it with every Guinness pour that you have? I mean, if you get you know Guinness draft in a bottle, do you have to do it that way? No. If you get Guinness in the can, do you have to do it that way? Not necessarily. If you get it at the bar, should you get it that way? Mm, yeah, Guinness is probably like a Guinness rep is probably not going to be happy if they see you pouring it wrong. But, ugh. um. So let's let's go to the comments for this one because there are actually some really good ones. Uh, Michael Kennedy. Uh, he says, look, it's fun. It is what it is, and don't be such a beer snob. Beats the crap out of popping a can of bud. Anthony Nyotnia uh, from Sydney, Australia. Started his name with a Y, so I could not understand that. What a ridiculous waste of writing space this article is. Yes, I agree with that, too. Um, oh, Sherry's making mushroom Swiss burgers for dinner and boiling the mushrooms in Guinness. You know what? I don't even like mushrooms, and that sounds goddamn delicious. Oh. Dude, when is when is when is Mitch gonna like just completely like you know tie you down because he's silly if he doesn't, and I don't mean in a sexual fashion. That came out completely wrong phrasing and all that. Uh, Sean McGuire from Buchanan, New York. There's no debate. Fuck this guy. If you can create a better product by waiting two minutes, you should. There's a shitload of chefs who would argue that a properly arranged plate of food is ultimately more palatable than a haphazard slop dish plate of food. Same is true of cocktails, beers, and your suit. 
If it can be presented better, it should. Otherwise, drink at fucking home. And, okay, think of it this way. Uh, I don't know if they do it anymore, but uh, KFC, remember those famous bowls where it was basically just they tossed everything in there, you know, the chicken, the potatoes, the gravy, cheese, corn, hamster, whatever. Now, I would love to see this in, say, a Top Chef challenge, but it would basically be implying that the KFC famous bowl is a piece of shit. But deconstruct the famous bowl. Take all of the elements from that as they are, like the actual KFC elements, but arrange them, you know, make them and arrange them on a dish in such a way that is appealing instead of just tossed into a bowl and all mixed together. And that makes a difference. Properly arranged plate of food versus haphazard slop dish plate of food. Properly poured Guinness versus just dump it in the glass. It makes a fucking difference. Ah. Go with the very last comment in this article here. If you noticed even the slightest improvement with a properly poured Guinness, it proves that it makes a difference. So all in all, a waste of words in this article. Yup. Uh, let's see here. What else we got? Oh, this was this was kind of the big uh, big story that was popping up this week, and I'll uh, I'll probably carry this one into break here. Oh, and pour out the rest of this bomber into my glass, not into a sink. Because I'm not stupid, I'm going to finish it. Ah. Uh-oh, I hear a baby crying. Um, send Mitch your number and he'll call you? Why would, I, why would I do that? Mitch might just harass me. I don't think Mitch likes me very much. <laughs> um... Oof, there is a there is a very unhappy baby out there. I am glad I'm not out there. Uh, okay, f- uh, I received this from uh, various sources. Got this on the Facebook group and everything. But the article here I'm pulling... Actually, I pulled a few different articles on this one. Uh, from Fox 4 News in Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, lawsuit filed against 28 California wineries for high levels of arsenic in low-priced wines. Now, thankfully, I, from everything I can tell, oh, apparently now my dog's upstairs too, and nobody's happy about that. Great. Um, but thankfully, I do not drink any of the uh, any of the wines in this article. Um, you know, think think your cheap bottled wines that you see in a lot of stores. Think of your cheap box wines that you see in a lot of stores. Unfortunately, I believe my mother-in-law drinks some of these, so uh, had to warn her about this. But anyway, many popular low-priced brands of wine may contain illegal and dangerously high levels of poisonous inorganic arsenic, according to a lawsuit filed against 28 California wineries. Some of the popular wine brands named in the lawsuit include, this first one actually surprised me, Trader Joe's Two Buck Chuck, Franzia, Menage a Trois, Sutter Home, Wine Cube, I would assume that is a boxed wine, Charles Shaw, Glen Ellen, Cupcake, you see Cupcake fucking everywhere, Behringer, and Vendage. 
Uh, the wines named in the lawsuit are primarily inexpensive white or blush varietals, including Moscato, Pinot Grigio, and Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, arsenic is an odorless, colorless chemical that is usually detected in the ground, especially in fields treated with pesticides. California set standards of levels that are supposed to be safe, but according to the lawsuit, testing done on more than 80 wines shows the levels are coming in much higher. The Wine Institute, which acts as the main lobby for California winemakers, responded, by the law, responded to the lawsuit by saying the allegations are not true and that all wine sold in the U.S. is safe. That's, uh, that's, that's kind of a broad claim there. California voters approved Proposition 65, the Safe Water and Toxic Enforcement Act, and if true, the allegations would be violations of the California Health and Safety Code. If you want more information, go to Tainted Wine, Tainted Wine, where there are details about the level of arsenic, I can't believe I did that, found in the particular wines listed. Now, I actually had a uh, article, uh, let's see, this is from wishtv.com. I don't know where Wish TV... Uh, Indianapolis, I believe. Uh, they actually have the list of the wines in the lawsuit. There's actually 83 different wines uh, from 28 California wineries and bottled under 31 different brand labels. Uh, let's see. Acronym, uh, Great RW, Red Blend, uh, Almaden. See, th th these are actually even more names than they listed in that previous article. Almaden, uh, Heritage White Zinn, Heritage Moscato, a few others on that. Uh, Arrow Creek, Bandit, Bay Bridge. Uh, you know, I'll go with the, the brands that I frequently see around. Behringer, White Merlot, White Zinfandel, Red Moscato, Refreshingly Sweet Moscato. Uh, Charles Shaw, White Zinn. Uh, Corbett Canyon, Pinot Grigio, and Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, this is actually surprising because they mentioned that it was primarily like white and blush wines, so surprised to see a, a cab in there. Cupcake, uh, Malbec, only one from Cupcake. Uh, Franzia, oh boy, okay. And I would assume these, I think these are probably the box ones, I'm not sure, but Franzia, Vintner Select White Grenache, Vintner Select White Zin, Vintner Select White Merlot, and Vintner Select Burgundy. Uh, Corbel, Sweet Rose Sparkling Wine, Extra Dry Sparkling Wine, uh, duh, duh, duh. Simply Naked, Moscato. I th shit, I think I've had Simply Naked before. Smoking Loon, uh, Viognier, Viognier, V-I-O-G-N-I-E-R. And then, oh, Sutter Home, a lot of them. Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Gerwitz Traminer. I am not familiar with that. Pink Moscato, Pinot Grigio, Moscato, uh, Chenin Blanc, Sweet Red, Riesling, White Merlot, Merlot, and White Zinfandel. That is, that is Bad for uh, for Sutter Home. That is very bad for Sutter Home. Uh, but it, it it's bad for a lot of these, and it makes you wonder where is the arsenic getting into the wine? Like, what process of the winemaking is it actually getting in there? Is it from the grapes themselves is it something else in the process is it something in the winery i mean it, i i'd very much like to know and, and you know mitch says he's had most and he's still alive so it's probably bullshit everything in california is bad for you yeah you you look at you look at a lot of products that you would normally consider harmless 
And you look on the back of it and it says, well, the state of California has identified cancer-causing chemicals in this product. Oh, so it's bad for you in California, but the, the rest of the company's fine with it. California, I mean, I, I remember um, growing up when, you know, I'd be, I'd be homesick or you know, home during the summer and I'd watch The Price is Right in the morning. And when I was younger, I never understood what the hell this meant. But, you know, you know, open, you know, open the door. Oh, brand new car, blah, 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 you know, 1989 Toyota Celica, blah, 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 and California emissions. And I'm like, what are California emissions? I mean, what, is that some kind of feature of the car that, like, and they just named it after something in California? Obviously, it's the emission standards in California. Um, they have very weird standards on things. Um, so I'm wondering actually if this arsenic measurement is um, fuck, above the limit just for California or other states. I don't know. Uh, very curious about that. Okay, Dennis says, you know, their weed is good for you. So, God damn, I, why can't Why can't New Jersey just legalize recreational and medicinal come on please 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 because that would be great for my anxiety and depression i would feel so much better all the time okay mitch has an excellent point let's continue to put all of this in perspective the fda limit for daily inorganic arsenic intake wow i think mitch did some research here from shellfish like mussels, clams, and oysters is 1,000 times higher than it is for juice. Huh. Specifically, the FDA says it's perfectly safe for you to consume arsenic concentrations of 30 parts per million in a bowl of mussels versus 30 parts per billion in juice. That, that is bullshit. So basically, it's okay for you to consume more in you know, mussels, clams oysters but if that same amount was in juice oh good god no god god no 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 and i think the same is going for the wine i i would assume the the juice standard there is probably the same standard that's applied to the wine going you know via beverage so yeah this is fucking ridiculous um oh okay uh mitch uh, Mitch actually uh, linked me a whole write-up. He said not good for on air, but for reading later. So let me open that up in a new tab. And uh, oh yeah, de yeah, definitely. Kind of looks like some some dry reading there. But I will bookmark that for later because I am actually very curious about that. That makes sense. And Dennis says he was not aware that there were arsenic levels in the Jews. Well, I don't know. Did you test the ashes? Hello? Hello? Okay. Ah. Uh, uh, two in the front, two in the back, and um, six million in the ashtray. What? Uh, let's see. Do I hit one more thing before the break? Or, nah, you know what? I will save some stuff for after the break. Because I also apparently have some emails and stuff I have to reply to. Fucking work shit coming in and blah, blah, blah. Have to have to have to reassure people that it may be panicking, and I don't want them to panic. So after the break, uh, I may have some lists. I may talk a little bit about light beer, and um, there was one thing that uh, popped up in the news a few weeks back, but I'm going to talk about it now because I just haven't gotten a chance to. So. 
be back uh, nine, ten minutes or so here on Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. Alcohol by Volume, Kevin Show. Hey, Hey. it's the name of the show. Hey, More Like Radio, less like crap. Want more alcohol by volume? Because I'm kind of drunk for this. Let's shit nuts. Download past episodes at morelikeradio.org. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. And follow along on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I find you're drunk in this fit. Are you on a pee? I am drunk, or I wouldn't be talking to you. Antisocial Gamer Radio. Hi, this is Ashley, host of Antisocial Game Radio, telling you to come listen to my show every Tuesday at uh, 9pm UK time, 4pm Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Uh, every week I like to talk about all the latest stuff going on in the gaming world, what's been coming out, what's new releases, all the topics that you like to hear, I will be talking about it every single week. The Elvis and Albert Show, Thursdays, morelikeradio.com, 5 to 7. I'm Elvis Cage. I'm Alfred. I'm Jameson, and on the phone... It's Bill. I'm phoning it in. Always phoning it in. <laughs> Coming to you live from the Half Penny Pub of Seville. That's right. Punk rock music, independent music, and all the rest of the things that we speak about. Crazy party stuff. Yeah. Here on morelikeradio.com. And elvisandalfred.com 24-7. Yarr! The Elvis and Alfred Show. The Cousin Joe Show. And I, I'm sitting in the chair. He did the barber cock touch. What the fuck? This is what it is. Dude, where are you going to get your hair cut? Listen to me. Where are you going? See how I'm sitting right now? Yeah, I do. Where are my elbows? Outside the chair. Oh! <laughs> they always go around the side. And, and where the fucking, the height of my <laughs> elbow is always their dick. He reaches in and his, his cock touches my elbow. And the thing is, like, I can't immediately jerk away because that looks like... You know you touched it. Right. I'm acknowledging a cock touch. So instead, I just leave it there and let him rub his dick on my elbow. <laughs> Dude. Did he go back and forth? That's when you could tell. Did I he was, go back and forth ever, like, fast? Like, not not like, fast. <laughs> not fast. I, I wonder if guys do play games or get the barber hard. Kind of wiggle their elbow. Nobody does that, Joe. <laughs> Well, weird faggots. Who knows? You're fucking weird. <laughs> Tune in to the Cousin Joe Show live Thursday night, 7 to 10 on More Like Radio. If you weren't able to catch the last Hippo Juice show, here's what you probably missed. I just keep thinking to myself, and it makes me giggle, that I, every time I hear the story, I imagine it was Ray Romano in the same situation. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Oh, no. uh, kind of does. I barely it. touched her. Come on. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it was my brother. Look at him. He's bigger than me. Come on. Oh. Come on, everybody loves me. Oh, I, got, I got twins. Come on. Oh, let's go. Let's go Home Depot. Come on. Fess up, Raymond. You know it was you. They got you on video. Anybody want soup? Ma, come on. We're talking over here. <laughs> So if you learn anything from Hippo Juice, remember Ray Romano allegedly punched his wife in an elevator. Right. (laughs) 
We don't report the news accurately. We report half of it. Whatever. It's still news. So fuck you guys. This is more entertaining than some football player. Listen to the Hippo Juice Show live every Wednesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. Now Cause the V is so deep An interesting show It won't ever put you to sleep It has all the content That you want the best show on the planet I ain't even gonna front Bringing it again and again Don't ever miss a show And make sure that you're always tuned in Hosted by my man Mike And Ski Ray Keep it turned up on the mic All day Ask me what's my favorite podcast I say deep Listen to the show while you're sipping on your tea. It's the hottest of the hot. You ain't gotta trust me. Tune into the show and you will definitely see. With Mike and Ski Ray, you can't go wrong. The biggest show ever, bigger than a King Kong. Listen up and don't ever, ever miss a beat. It's Deep V. Remember that the V is so deep. What's up, everybody? Deep V Podcast. Deep V. Be sure to listen to us Fridays at 8 Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Yep. Also download us on iTunes. Just type in DV. DV, your favorite podcast. Favorite, favorite podcast. You know, at the start of the last episode, we went through uh, different nationalities, you know, and now people know that we're Irish. <laughs> and now people know that we're all shite at accents <laughs> as well. <laughs> but I was wondering, is it prejudice to not make fun of, like, all of the countries? Where are you going for here, We'll name check every country on the show. That way, no one can be mad. Have a blast. I could do Swedish. Oh yeah, what? Birdie, birdie. <laughs> and to the Italians, Papa the Poopy. Papa the Poopy. <laughs> okay. And to the Mexicans, the hey, Amen. <laughs> uh, Spain. <laughs> uh, Singapore. <laughs> Amazing. Australians? Cockerel Doom Dark. No. You big loop, are you? <laughs> no, that sounds that's like Limerick or something. <laughs> that's right, we never slide off the Irish, do we? Someone put a bomb in me potato. <laughs> there you go. OSW Review. All Irish, all racist. <laughs> oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. This is Mitch, producer of Dutch and Royce. I just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you why we are better than you. I took the turkey baster and put it in the glass and sucked up as much pee as I could. I took the turkey baster, after lubricating it in my asshole, and put it up as far as I could in my asshole, and I was repeatedly thrusting it in and out while jacking off and screaming out a boy's name and moaning to make it feel like it was real. I can't believe I then I then imagined Sean, did you my write this? I then imagined in my head him screaming, I'm coming! And I squeezed the turkey baster ball shooting all my pee into my ass. I kept taking to the I kept taking the turkey baster out and filling it with more pee and shooting it deep into my asshole, making it feel like it was a huge come. Listen to Dutch and Royce Live Tuesdays from ten to midnight. Only on morelikeradio.com. Hey, you. Yes, you guessed 10,542. Change your username. And while you're in the More Like Radio live page listening to fine quality programming, notice the banner ad just slightly above the chat room. It's a link to something you want in Amazon. Click it. It's probably reminding you to order something you need from amazon.com. Don't leave MLR and type the URL like a sucker. Just click the link and it'll open in a new window. This way you can buy your shit, 
and continue listening to the show. Now, change your username. It's right there on the right, stupid. The official Alcohol by Volume YouTube channel. Find out what's destroying my liver every week. Ah, my liver, my liver. New beer reviews every Saturday morning. And occasionally some bonus reviews in the middle of the week, too. Hmm, your ideas are intriguing to me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Subscribe now at youtube.com slash MLR Alcohol by Volume. Come on, let's go drink till we can't feel feelings anymore. A ton of lineups stronger than Owen Hart's safety harness. More like radio.com. Other internet radio stations are gay. You're listening to Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. So they call Katya because they're jealous we're dating. She shows up. Unbeknownst. And nothing happens, even though all your clothes get burned off, champagne gets jizzed everywhere, and her vag winds up in the sink. Yes. So you're saying it was... Literally a farce. Exactly. Yes. Uh... Lana, come on. Whose life, through no or sometimes maybe moderate fault of his own, is as farcical as mine? Hmm. You still should have drugged me. No, I know. That was... Extremely uncool. Mm, That's not, though. Holy shit. Right? Glenn Gooley, for the best of times. Welcome back to Alcohol by Volume. You're just joining me now. We're in hour number two. That's second hour. That's how math works. I are good at math. Uh, so what do I got here? Um, this is an article from Eater.com that I found kind of interesting because it it speaks to the entry into the craft beer world that is kind of daunting for some people. Um, and it's entitled, Light Beer Doesn't Suck If You Know What to Order. Now, the the thought a lot of the time is that light beer is... Well, okay, I'll go back to mouthfeel again. It, it, it feels watery. There's not a lot of taste to it. Light beer does not have to be that way. Now, mind you, it doesn't have to be called light beer either. In fact, there are a lot. Most beers that are light, you know, quotes around that in the craft beer world, do not have light on the label. In fact, the only one that I can think of offhand, um, aside from like Sam Adams, um, was it, is it Sam Adams Light? I think it's not Boston Lager Light or something like that. Um, holy shit! In the in the freaking Sidebar on this page on Eater.com. Remains of murdered Food Network star contestant found in wood un- oven. Oi. Ooh, creepy. Um, <coughs> but anyway. Um, the only other one I can think of is Abita. Abita actually has a Abita light. And to be honest, I've never actually tried it because I've really felt no reason to. Um, there may have been one point where I considered it, but otherwise, eh, I, you know, if, if I'm going to go with the beta, I'll go with purple haze. I'll go with turbo dog. I'll go with, uh, uh, pecan harvest ale. I'll go with, uh, strawberry harvest ale, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I, I'm assuming that their light beer is probably, you know, worlds better than say Bud Light, but I don't, I, I don't need it. Um, but there are light beers out there. 
in the craft beer world, they don't even say light on them, but they are very clearly a light beer. Of course, Dennis is just here for more hilarious Holocaust references. Well, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try and shoehorn one in. Um, let's see. Four light beer styles to know. In the world of the craft beer drinker, nothing rings more true than Greg Cook's mantra, fizzy yellow beer is for wussies. For years, beer aficionados have followed the CEO and co-founder of Stone Brewing Company's lead, circling the wagons around huge beer styles like bitter double IPA hot bombs and rich and chocolatey Russian Imperial Stouts. And that that goes back to my statement about the entry point into craft beer. A lot of people, if they've never had craft beer before, when they think craft beer, they're thinking these oh, you know, really bitter beers. Of course, I'm now remembering Bitter Beer Face. They're uh, going to bring that campaign back at some point. Um, you know, the hopped up, really bitter IPAs. The, you know, so 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 thick, it's practically a meal, you know, Imperial Stout and things like that. And that kind of scares people off because they'll think that that is craft beer. It's these really heavy beers these really um damn what is what is the word i want not 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 pungent i don't want pungent um uh i don't want strong god damn it don't you don't you when the word is on the fucking tip of your tongue um explosive I think that's probably the closest I can get in terms you know, like a double IPA you'd say that's that is an explosive flavor it's not a, it's not necessarily a heavy beer but it is a very explosive flavor that if you're not expecting that it's going to assault your senses so I continue here while these beer types still reign supreme in popularity there's an emerging demand from a newly confident fan base and that demand is for good fizzy yellow beer some craft breweries are hearing the cry for crisp and refreshing, and instead of cringing, are hearkening back to the brewing traditions of the 1800s and beyond. Subsequently, they're producing some of the best, quote, light beers that the world has seen. Beers lighter in flavor, bitterness, and ABV. Um, you could, you could, you know, probably say that they're, you know, sessionable. Um, in terms of style, they're going to be different. You can have a light IPA. I mean, personally, I think... Um, I don't know. Stones enjoy by IPA, or um, not enjoy by. I'm sorry. Um, uh, go to IPA. That could be considered a light beer. Again, for somebody that's never had an IPA before, they're probably not going to be, still going to be kind of assaulted by it. Lighter-bodied and flavored beers tend to show more faults than beers with bigger flavors, and should be properly protected from heat and light. Therefore, these styles generally come packaged in dark brown bottles, should be stored in shi- and shipped in refrigerated containers. Also, these beers should be served at a colder temperature, around 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Remember last week when we were talking about, are we drinking our beer too cold? Then they're heavier and hoppier cousins. Now, again, that's that's not a hard and fast rule. Uh, if it's a Russian Imperial Stout, should you be drinking it closer to room temperature? Mm, not necessarily. It sometimes depends. Uh, barley wine. Room temperature? Don't know. Uh, again, depends. It sometimes depends on the brewer. Depends on the the variation of the style that they're going for, things like that. So toy around with temperature. But light beer, typically around that colder 40-degree temperature. Uh, when yearning for bright, quaffable, and clean brews... I, I still hate that word, quaffable. Quaff. Um, 
craft beer drinkers in the know look for these styles from reputable brewers. First we have is the Pilsner. Most produced and most maligned lager in the world. But the style is making a strong comeback due to, due to its lovely balance when brewed properly. For the most part, Pilsner is separated into two styles, Czech and German. Uh, they go into the history of it. Originally brewed in the city of Pilsen, Czech Republic, blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see. So the Czech Pilsner's sparkling light straw color and appearance, characteristic spicy floral and grassy bitterness uh, from Saz hops. German Pilsner's, same kind of hue, more herbaceous, uh, more citrusy elements to them. They give examples of um, good examples of Czech Pilsner's, also known as Bohemian Pilsner's, uh, Shaftley Pilsner, uh, Santa Rosa's Moonlight Brewing Company's uh, Reality Czech, which is actually a pretty, pretty uh, witty, witty usage of the name there. Uh, Prima Pils from Victory. Oddly enough, I don't think I've had that one before. And I actually want to try that now just to see how it is as a basic Pilsner. Um, and that one is a German one. Um, apparently a um, kind of blending of the two styles. A uh, Czech-style Pilsner dry hopped with German uh, Saphir hops. Uh, Firestone Walker Pivo Pils. Now, I'm seeing in the article, they actually show this in cans. I never see Firestone Walker uh, cans out here, so I don't even know if I get that particular one out here, but I'd like to try that too. It says it imbues the beer with notes of bergamot zest and lemongrass. Next one we got here, a Keller beer. Damn it, during the Pilsner, I could have made a Holocaust reference with the German Pilsners. I missed it. Sorry, Dennis. Keller beer, beer style that dates back to the Middle Ages. Uh, I remember when I was talking German beers. Keller beer literally means cellar beer in German. Uh, it's a smooth drinking, low ABV, lightly carbonated, unpasteurized, and mostly unfiltered beer. Uh, examples, Alpine Spring from Sam Adams. That is a, a fantastic example. Um, Taps Brewery Cream Ale from Brea, California. Not familiar with them, but... Uh, Alpine Spring, can't go wrong with that as a Keller beer. Um, and I would assume that is in the spring seasonal pack, which is should be. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about that, I don't, um, I don't know if Alpine Spring is in the seasonal pack. Ever since Sam Adams reduced it to four fucking beers in their seasonals, I haven't been getting them. It's really, really fucking annoyed me they've done that. Uh, next one on here, a Hellas Lager. Uh, I've had many great examples of Helles Lager. Uh, Hell is German for bright. Helles Lagers were the answer when Czech Pilsners became all the rage and Germans had to invent their own beer style to compete with the beautiful sparkling beers from the East. Uh, is a nuanced, gentle blonde beer with amazing balance, lingering malty finish. Um, the ABV for a Helles Lager can kind of be all over the place. So... For the lighter experience, go 6% or below, obviously. Uh, Stout's Gold Lager from Pennsylvania. Uh, the uh, Heinstevaner original from Germany. That is a fantastic Helles Lager. Um, prob probably one of, in my opinion, one of the best ones I've had. When you just go for a standard, just basic, um, no twist on it or anything Helles Lager, that one is fantastic. 
They say it's grainy notes of pepper and banana are balanced by floral hops and a dry finish. Um, if you want a twist on a Hellas Lager, I know there was uh, Pineapple Express from Terrapin, which was a pineapple Hellas Lager, which was fan-fucking-tastic. Actually, a smoked pineapple Hellas Lager. So you're adding a little bit of the element of the rock beer in there as well. And then the last one on here, which is a style that I... Oddly, I used to drink more of, and then I stopped, and now I'm jumping back into it again. I still have a can of uh, Newberg Cream Ale in my fridge right now. So Cream Ale, a truly American style, the Cream Ale is something of a hybrid between an ale and an American lager. Recently becoming popular again among craft brewers, many Cream Ales are now being made as noble grain, slightly hoppier versions of their predecessors. A perfect style for someone who wants a golden beer with a low hot profile and aroma and a nice palate cleansing carbonation. Cream ales are generally biscuity with notes of honey in the finish. Sweet action from Six Point in uh, Brooklyn. And golden ale from uh, Terrapin. Now, I'm trying to remember if I've ever had sweet action from Six Point. I like the beers I've had from Six Point. The problem I have with them is that, okay, I believe the cans are always sold in four packs. It's an enclosed box. And beyond the name and the ABV, more often than not, there are no details as to what the actual style is of the beer. Um, one I used to have that I think they, they have since retired, Three Beans. Fuck if I remember what style it is because it wasn't even on the goddamn packaging. Uh, let me go to Beer Advocate here because... Let's see. Um, okay, so Sweet Action is a cream ale. Now I know that. I know there's another one they have that I I want to say is a Saison, and it's the first six-point beer that I've ever seen actually mention it on the packaging. There, there's a six-point beer that um, I have in the new releases this week that... Um, actually, I heard... Um, I heard uh, Nick mention it on... Um, you guys, some of you probably listened to it. James J. from LI's... Um, podcast uh it's never gonna work or this is never gonna work sorry james uh see i'm hour number two beers deep uh this is never gonna work i believe he has it on uh potomatic if you look if you look you'll find it look for him on uh, on twitter at never underscore gonna work uh but i believe nick was talking about this one uh, from six point abigail it is a uh, belgian style ale i've seen it in store i didn't know what the hell style it was because they didn't say on the goddamn box. So let's see, three beans. Uh, was it three beans? Yeah, it's three beans from Six Point. Oh, it doesn't say it's retired, so I don't know. It's a Baltic Porter. I would have assumed it was a stout or a porter, but not 100% sure. Um, Six Point Resin. Uh, IPA? Maybe? Uh, yeah, okay, Imperial IPA. Bit of a difference there. Um, you know what, let me go, let me look at some other six-point stuff. Uh, some other stuff that I, okay, like four beans is an American porter versus a Baltic porter. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, uh, beast mode, American porter. I, I, and they say it's called beast mode porter, but I've just seen beast mode on the package, which, of course, being a Transformers Beast Wars fan, makes me want to get it, even though I realize that it is not related to that, and it is the uh, the other appropriation of the term Beast Mode. Fuckers. Stealing it from Transformers. God damn it. 
um, righteous ale. It's a rye beer. Now, if they had spelled it, you know, R-Y-E-Chis ale, then maybe I might know. Um, Sweet Action, cream ale, which we mentioned there. The Crisp. The Crisp. No idea. Not a clue whatsoever. It's a German Pilsner. You know what? Now that I know, I want to try that. Um, in fact, you know what? Maybe, maybe next time I go to the liquor store, I'm just going to buy, you know, a couple, two or three, six point, uh, four packs and, uh, just have at it. I'm probably going to completely forget what's what, uh, I hate the fact that six point does that. I, I don't know why they do that because they make good beer, but I don't know. I can't always get a fucking three G signal in the liquor store and it, that way I can't, uh, I can't search for the shit. And uh, I guess I kind of went on a little bit of a rambling tear there. I apologize for that. But Six Point does do good beers. I just, I wish they, they had more information on the packaging. And there's probably some reason why they don't. Um, but uh, that, that just bugs me. I would be way more amenable to buying their beers more frequently if I knew what the fuck it was I was buying. To be honest, Three Beans, I only bought that initially because A, it was in cans, and B, it was a 10% beer, and the reason I bought it in cans and a high-alcohol beer was because I could drink it in my car, allegedly, on lunch breaks during the summer and drink one 16-ounce can of a 10% beer, and you're feeling pretty good for the rest of the workday. Allegedly, supposedly, this may or you know it pr- probably didn't actually happen. I mean, it could all be fiction for all you guys know. Um, but yeah, I, I looked at the ten percent on there. That was why I bought it. I didn't give a shit what style it was. It was a can. It was ten percent. And I thought, hmm, if I was to enjoy a beer during my lunch break in my car, which I never would, this would be perfect. This would this would be the best bang for my buck here. Don't believe a fucking word I say. Uh, next next article here from Gizmodo. Uh, this has to do with the uh, shipwreck beer that some of you may have seen popping up in the in the news earlier this month. What 170 year old beer uncovered from a shipwreck really tasted like? Now I don't I don't believe this is the same beer where um, scientists were trying to replicate the recipe, but it actually could be i'm not sure but this says back in 2010 divers off the coast of finland stumbled upon some astonishingly old booze champagne and beer preserved underwater in a 170 year old shipwreck naturally they had a taste but now scientists are back with a rigorous chemical analysis of the beers so in the initial taste test the beer was so sour no one would uh tell how they were originally meant to taste now to be fair Beers, it's been theorized, were probably actually more sour back then. Uh, Definitely more sour than we know of now. Um, But being that this one was aged, compromised, it's not surprising. Um, Now, of course, they've used machines to, to analyze things. Uh, before they ran any tests, they recorded their own impressions of the beer's smells, which seemed largely unpleasant. Bubbles of gas, presumably CO2, formed during sampling, producing a light foam, 
Both beers were bright golden yellow with little haze, which is actually kind of impressive there. Uh, Both beers smelt of autolyzed yeast, dimethyl sulfide. Neither of those is surprising. Uh, Bakelite, burnt rubber, overripe cheese, and goat. Goat? With phenolic and sulfury notes. Again, those, those latter two are not surprising at all. Uh, both bottles contain much more salt than usual, suggesting the beers have been diluted with seawater. And then with modern chemistry techniques, scientists were able to separate individual compounds by acceler- and by accelerating them through an electric field, figure out their molecular composition, cutting through the sourness and saltiness to the beer's true character. So they actually had two, di- two bottles that they analyzed, and um, they turned out to be different beers. Um, they labeled them A56 and C49 just for the purposes of differentiating them. And in this article, I'm going to refer to them as such as well. C49 was much hoppier and more bitter. Um, an uh, analysis of yeast-derived flavor compounds revealed rose and sweet apple flavors that were high in A56. And then C49 also had a higher concentration of flavor compounds for green tea. Which is very interesting, considering, you know, we, some people may consider, you know, for instance, Stone's Green Tea IPA, they may consider green tea a strange element in a beer. The fact that from a beer 170 years ago, flavor compounds for green tea are found in that beer, it makes you wonder what experimental kind of things they were doing back then. Uh, And they, they were probably doing a lot that have just been lost to the ages. Some flavor differences maybe because of how beer was brewed differently in the 19th century. For example, A56 contained much more of a compound called furfural, which is possibly the result of mash being heated over an open fire. Um, both beers, even when they were fresh, as I said, were also more sour than your average modern brew. It wasn't until the late 19th century that brewers learned how to keep acid-producing bacteria out of beer. Until that breakthrough, pretty much all beer, including A56 and C49, was sour beer. As I said, so I probably uh, pr- probably probably would have uh, probably would have liked living back then for the beer, um, you know the whole no electricity and diseases and no internet, uh, no porn. Well, it was porn, but it wasn't very good porn. Uh, yeah, beer, yeah, but otherwise, eh. so if anybody invents a time machine, just go back and get some beer. I'm fine with that. Don't need to worry about the other shit. We have a sense of how they tasted. Now it's up to brewers to recreate it. Of course, people, you know, in the comments saying sour beer is great. And given the sourness and dilution by seawater, I would almost guess that now. Obviously, obviously, it's not going to be a a good taste, really. But you're probably looking at a taste now of something vaguely like a Goza, a Berliner Weiss, probably you add in the sourness element of that. Um, obviously not the taste of the beer 170 years ago. But it is it is very cool to see mostly intact examples of what beer was back then. It's one thing to have a beer recipe from two centuries ago. It's something completely different to have an actual sample of the beer. 
and the fact that they were able to, you know, kind of separate the chemical elements of it um, makes me wonder if they can derive what, you know, where the yeast strain came from and you know, get all those really, really, really separate down to the core the elements of these beers. And it, it seems like just kind of going by the way they analyzed it seems like they could. So, uh, uh, if if somebody wanted me to sample something like that, fuck yeah, I would. Probably be fucking disgusting, but I would do it because how many chances you get to do something like that? Um, and, and you you gotta think that the being in the salt water probably preserved it. Yeah, it diluted it, but it probably preserved it to some respect too. Um, I'd say it kept it refrigerated longer than you know something that was maybe I don't know stuck in an underground cavern, um, potentially exposed to you know. Well, actually, no, it probably wouldn't be exposed to light. You hear you hear about those breweries that get like built over, and you get the you know the underground caverns that you know you find bottles and you know maybe you find one that still has something in it. But it wasn't sealed, and it's just remnants and shit like that. I don't know. I, I I find I find any kind of historical stuff when it comes to beer and breweries very cool. It might just be me. I don't know. Um, makes you wonder what kind of beer they had during the Holocaust. No, that doesn't work. Did they have any beer at Auschwitz? Um, was it a Berliner Weiss? No, 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 no. We will ask the questions, yeah? Okay, uh, I, I, I've run out of hilarious Holocaust references already. I'm sorry, Dennis. So let me move on to Thrillist.com here. It's a list. Have I done a list in a while? I mean, I suppose technically the the uh, li- the light beers that don't have to suck was kind of a list, but this this is actually a a list list. Um, because there are 19 things in it. It's the 19 types of beer snobs. And, um, I don't know, this list actually makes me feel a little bit better about myself. Uh, being a beer snob is kind of like being a serial killer. I mean, people rarely just come out and say, hello, I am a beer snob. It's all about the actions, whether they're stockpiling a bunch of bodies in the basement or stockpiling a bunch of rare beers in one corner of the basement, not occupied by all those bulky bodies. You know, I never really made that, um, that comparison there, but, uh, it does kind of make sense really does make sense there. Uh, with that said, here are the different types of beer snobs you may encounter, which, just to be clear, does not in any way make them more likely to be a serial killer, probably. Nah, they're probably just as likely. We're all likely to be serial killers. Come on. Kidding? Uh, we have the self-important home brewer, of which Mitch is not, thankfully. Mitch, uh, M- Mitch... Uh, Mitch is very humble about his homebrew. Uh, I I I even get a get a sense of self doubt from him, and very he's he's critical of himself when it comes to his homebrew. And you know what? I can appreciate that because I'll do a comparison here. You know, the self important homebrewer is a lot like the self important film student. You know what? You're a film student. You're in a fucking college class. You're not Scorsese. You're not going to make a student film project. You know, 
99.999% of you that are in film school are not going to make that film school project that is going to get noticed and show up in a festival and shit like that. The homebrewers are the same way. Most homebrewers are not going to end up with, you know, wide renown. If if you're one that wins that Sam Adams homebrew contest, you know what? You've you've stepped up a bit. You're you're getting your name out there and it may maybe eventually get you a job at a brewery someday or something like that. But you're still not the second coming. Self-important homebrewer will second-guess the beer he's consuming with talk of hop varieties and bottle conditioning has made one decidedly mediocre pale ale from a kit he received for Christmas. We have Mr. Groupthink, incapable of telling you what he thinks of a beer until he's scanned a representative sampling of beer advocate reviews. Now, that is not me. However, I will scan a sampling of beer advocate reviews sometimes to get a sense of a beer to see will I like this if I purchase it sometimes after I purchased a beer and I I taste it I say hmm I like that but what am I tasting in here I'm not sure what I'm liking scan through the beer advocate reviews for that but I'm not necessarily letting beer advocate tell me what I like and don't like there are plenty of beers that I fucking love that are have very middling ratings on beer advocate so they are not the be-all, end-all for me. Uh, let's see, we have Justin Asshole. Uh, was already an insufferable snob about his car, wardrobe, and frequent trips to Europe. Beer was just the next logical step in the progression. Why, yes, he did just correct your pronunciation of Cantillion. Fucker. Uh. <sighs> Definitely not me. Um, if somebody describes a beer as hoppy to me, I'm not going to get down on them for it. I might I might ask them to expand upon that. I'm like, you know, oh, okay, it, you know, IPA it was it was hoppy. Um, was it kind of more earthy, or did you get more citrus out of it? Oh, okay, and kind of go for it from there. But I, I'm I'm not an asshole when it comes to beer. I, I I was new with it. Other people are new with it. I love spreading the knowledge. I share the love. That's why I do this show every week. I guess. Maybe. Fuck it. I don't know. Uh, the Condescender treats anyone drinking a light beer like a toddler who just pooped himself. Audible groans of disapproval included also the kind of person who intentionally provokes political arguments at family gatherings. Yes, I do not talk politics at the uh, dinner table ever, 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 ever because my political stance is, uh, if not polar opposite from my mother-in-law, it's it's around there. It's it, It's not in the same quadrant. Um, and you know what? My, my father-in-law still drinks Bud Light from time to time. Um, he had a Bud Light with dinner yesterday. He has cans of Budweiser I saw in the, fr- in, the um, in the garage yesterday. However, also drinks Stegmeier IPA. He drinks Cricket Hill East Coast Lager. Uh, he was kind of getting into um, black IPAs for a while. So... You know, sometimes if he just wants to get a Bud Light or a Budweiser, I'm not going to begrudge him for it. I'm not going to condescend that way. I mean, you know, I know I know we give Joe Coletta shit, you know, uh, you know, Bud Light Platinum and shit like that, but we kid because we love. You know what? If that's what Joe wants to drink, 
Who are we to begrudge him that? Besides, he'll slap us around with his cock if we uh, say otherwise. Ah, uh, the master debater. You. I tried this beer. It was pretty good. Him. Get ready to spend the next five minutes finding a polite exit while I harangue you about your beer preferences, even though, in reality, I think that beer is good, too. I believe that would be a case of... I don't know. Say, say I say, you know, um, you know, I had, I had, uh, you know, uh, this IPA. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Oh, but you know what? Uh, that one, uh, you, you, you should really try this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, because like that one, that's barely even an IPA. And you, you, you know, you should, you should probably, you know, go for these and this and this if you really want an IPA. And I've talked to people like that too. It is very tiring. Uh, the Evangelist brings a few choice selections and a hefty supply of tasting glasses to any social gathering, just hoping to win a couple of converts. What, you weren't planning on drinking a 15% ABV Russian Imperial Stout at your nephew's christening? You know what? When I bring a six-pack of beer with me to any kind of gathering, I typically assume that no one else is going to drink it. I'm not expecting converts. Um... For Thanksgiving, what the fuck did I bring with me? Um, I want to say it was... I want to say it was a Sam Adams six-pack. It might have been... might have been Latitude 48. I'm not 100% sure. But I brought that with me. I stuck it in the fridge. And I was expecting that I was probably going to, you know, either drink the whole six-pack because, you know, Thanksgiving, family equals drinking and drinking copious amounts of which I did. Um, but I know there was also, there was also other beer in the fridge. I think there was like, there might, it was Corona. There might've been Sierra Nevada or something like that in there. But at one point somebody actually had one of my Sam Adams. I wasn't going to preach. First of all, I had no idea who did. And secondly, if I did know who, I wasn't going to try and preach to them like, oh, this is so much better than what's in the fridge. And I don't know. I, I will suggest a beer to someone, but I'm not going to go crazy extolling virtues and try and convert people to stuff. I may say, oh, you like that flavor? Have you ever tried this in a beer? You know, especially if it's someone that is used to, you know, your general, you know, Bud Light, Budweiser lagers and stuff like that. Um, God damn, I, I, fuck, I fucking put the chat to sleep with my dulcet tones. It's because I didn't do any more hilarious uh, Holocaust references. So I think Dennis, like, took everybody and left. God damn. Uh, we've got Captain Ahab. Almost got his hands on a Peppy Van Winkle 23 Dark Lord back in 2011. And has been hunting that white whale ever since. Probably doesn't have a peg leg, but might. And yeah, you hear the stories out there, you know, the people that are constantly hunting the rare beers and that have and have successfully gotten a shitload of them and just have, you know, shelves and you know they're cellaring fucking everything. I don't get me wrong, I love Chris Bradley. Oh my god, but the man has just shelves and shelves of multiple years of Bourbon County Stout 
amongst many, many other things. Uh, is he a Captain Ahab, or is he just very fortunate to be able to get access to all those different beers? I don't know. But I've run into people that are, are really, you know, those white whales are the only ones they want. And who knows if they're ever actually going to fucking drink them. That's the crazy thing with that. Uh, when do you stop cellaring them? Hmm. Uh, the professor won't even listen to you unless you're at least taking Cicerone classes. But she will talk. Oh, will she talk. Why did it have to be a she? It's going to trigger someone. And as much as I would love to take Cicerone classes, I do not have the fortitude for that. And I don't think I actually have the right uh, the, the right senses for it either. I don't think I have a refined enough palate for it. Uh, we have the traitor. Parlayed a surly darkness and an abyss into a chocolate rain, which you combined with a CBS to land a barrel-aged Hunapus that's almost impossible to find. Has yet to try any of these beers. Aha! See? Kind of what I was going for the last one. Ask him if he's going to open that Hunapu. And he'll look at you like you're crazy. Will entertain trade offers, though. And I wonder, really, if there are genuine beer traders out there that trade, 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 but never really drink the stuff they get. Um... It reminds me of, like, mint in sealed box Transformers collectors. I, I have a respect for that because there's something about having that pristine toy, that pristine figure, but there's also something about taking it out of the box, transforming it, and putting it on your shelf. Um, and then, in my case, probably never transforming it again, but eh, let's get past that. It seems like, I wonder if some beer traders are the mint and sealed box collectors of the beer world. I don't know. If there, if there are some out there that, that, that live to trade but never actually really drink the shit. Um, let's see. We have the sampler. Always asks for a sample at the bar, you know, so you can make an informed decision, a.k.a. find some minute defect with it, <laughs> and then ask for something he already knows he likes. I definitely don't go to the right kind of bars most of the time to get a sample of things anyway. But typically, and this is probably just my, you know, uh, pushover personality. If I get a sample of something and I don't hate it, I'll probably get a drink of it. I've had it happen where I'll go into, you know, look at, what they have on tap for growler fills. I'll have my growler with me and I'll taste something and I'll be like, okay, that's okay. Well, I'm here. I might as well get a fill of it instead of, you know, getting, taking the sample, tasting it, being like, okay, tasting another sample. Okay. Well, okay. I'm taking my growler. See ya. And not actually getting anything. Um, for some reason, I feel awkward about that. Walking in with an empty growler and leaving with an empty growler, I, I, I can't bring myself to do that for some reason. I've, I've never actually gotten a growler fill of something I hated. I have gotten growler fills of things that I wasn't 100% thrilled with. Now, to be fair, um, in the end, I was glad I got them. They kind of evolve over time. Um, sometimes a sample doesn't 
give you enough information as to what the beer tastes like. Sometimes you need that second sip to really let it develop. But ah, you know what? Fuck it. I I'm sounding like sound. Well, you know, I'm sounding more like a beer nerd than a beer snob, I suppose. Ah, we also have the fresh head. Um, did you just drink that IPA? It's nine days old and was shipped across seven states. Have some goddamn respect for yourself. That reminds me of a thing I've seen popping up online, particularly on Reddit lately, uh, bemoaning the build a six pack stations. More and more people are saying, uh, if you get a beer from a build a six pack station, it's probably past its date. You shouldn't even buy it. Because somebody was mentioning um, on Reddit, he he wanted he was trying to find Sculpin, um, and actually I think uh, or no he he was he was actually complaining about the price of Sculpin at a local place by him. It was like sixteen bucks for a six pack, which is obscene. Uh, and somebody else commented, well, you know, some places have Sculpin in their build a six pack selection, and you may actually end up being able to get it cheaper that way than you know than that particular six pack. And, of course, people chime in, like, eh, build a six-pack selections are all past their dates. You shouldn't get beer there because it's old. Well, you know what? Sometimes if I don't want to fucking buy a full six-pack or something that I'm not sure I'm going to like, I'm going to build a six-pack with one bottle of it. If I like it, I'll go back and get a, a fresher, you know, quote, fresher six-pack. I don't know. That, that, that seems to be a trend on Reddit that is annoying the piss out of me now um let me burn through these last what is it eight here before i get to the new releases and reveals we have the sour prince and before you say anything yes i like my sour beers but i'm not this bad beers that cost less than 17.99 retail scare him deeply see i that's why i don't get that many sours they're too expensive he once put 35 warheads in his mouth at once and finished them all without so much as a sip of water. People unfamiliar with yeast strains universally assume his best friend is named Brett. Then we have the IBU freak. He once drank an entire bottle of bitters thinking it was a small flavored soda because he had his glasses off and didn't notice. Tim Allen is not so secretly his favorite TV personality. Um, I'm trying to figure out the the logic behind that one but I don't know they're writers I'm not I don't fucking know uh, release party guy he's got his tickets he's got a sleeping bag and he's got the respect of three people who are the three people directly behind him in line couldn't tell you what any of the beers he's tried in the last year taste like because he's only had one of each because you gotta do the rounds man nobody's certain how he gets home I have never well yeah, I've, I've never really been to a release party. The closest thing was uh, when um, I had that Mosaic uh, Carton O-Dub variant for uh, Sparta. That's the closest thing I've been to, a release party. And I, I hear release parties are kind of cool, but um, it doesn't seem like mm, the breweries around here tend to do that. Uh, they don't really have beers that they showcase for release parties. One day, perhaps, I might like to do that. If I move down to Florida, I can always do a release party at Cigar City and stuff like that. So I'll find that out one day, I hope. The Barrel-Aged Devotee. Uh, in honor of the woodworking craftsman, she named her child Cooper. So again, why has it got to be a she? It's triggering me here. Uh, even though that's the name of the silly Manning brother nobody likes, 
Also, she's pretty broke. Um, I have seen people that are just barrel-aged this, barrel-aged that, barrel-aged this, barrel-aged that. I like a barrel-aged beer every so often, but not that often. If I was drinking barrel-aged all the time, I'd be sick of it, honestly. Uh, the glassware obsessive. Wait, did you just seriously pour a Vienna-style lager into a domestic barrel-aged breakfast stout glass? You know he can see you! I actually got chastised on the YouTube channel once uh, when I was pouring a beer into one of my ABV shaker pints. Uh, fuck it. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes I just need a glass. Sometimes I just need a glass. Uh, we have the complete 180. Uh, three months ago, she exclusively drank 16-ounce cans of domestic light beer, shotgunning two-thirds of them. Last week, she booked a two-week trip to Vermont by herself. Yeah. there. I Again, I've seen people that have made the craft beer transition perhaps a bit too quickly. Too quickly. I've, I did it gradually. Very gradually. The brewery fanboy. He wears a three-floyds hoodie when he buys his heady topper, wears a heady topper ball cap when he drinks his Pliny, and wears a Pliny t-shirt when he goes to Dark Lord Day. He owns a matching arrogant bastard biking jersey and socks, but not a bike. Now, to be fair, I, I have I have my fair share of brewery tees. I have, uh, let's see, I got, um, uh, oh, God. Why am I forgetting the name? Wow. Wow, I am okay. Well, I have Weyerbacher, I have Stone, I have a Carton shirt, um, uh, Unibrew, Unibrew. That's what it was, Unibrew. Um, I have a Unibrew shirt that I actually got free from the uh, Garden State Brew Fest when I uh, won like a little contest game of chance that they were doing. So what was that four? I think that might be because I know I don't like have any Guinness shirts. Uh, Stone. Carton, Weyerbacher, Unibrew. Uh, don't have a cane shirt. Don't have any other local ones. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not crazy like that. Um, and I'm not I'm not that guy that wears the the you know a brewery T-shirt when he goes to the beer fest either. I will, in all fairness, wear an ABV T-shirt because I like to try and promote myself. And you'll see if, you know, somebody that's pouring my beer asks, alcohol by volume, that's a cool shirt. What what is that for? And um, a grand total of zero people actually ask me what it is. But, you know, the opportunity is there. And the last one in this article, this was written by Matt Lynch from Thrillist, by the way, who uh, I will will, uh, give him, let's see, uh, did he actually write this? Or is he the editor? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. There were, oh, two of them here. We got Matt Lynch. We got Ben Robinson. If you'd like to follow these gents on Twitter, at MLynchCHI and uh, at Benjo, B-N-J-O, Robinson, also on Twitter. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. I think I should follow these guys. So open those in a new tab for later. Uh, but last one on here, the one upper. And I kind of I kind of delved into this a little bit earlier. Oh, you've got a good beer? That's great. His is better. God, it's so much better. The nice part, though, he'll refuse to drink yours because it's not good enough. And we'll give you half of his just to prove that he's just the best at beer. So basically, keep this guy around. Because, hey, free beer. And um, that, is, that, is your, that is your 19 types of beer snobs. Although, it also in the URL says beer enthusiasts. 
I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're trying to cover their bases there. <sighs> Holy shit! Have I actually had enough material for a show again? How does that happen? I always worry every week that it's gonna be like playing a game of okay, let's see if uh, Kevin has to tap out at seven forty-five tonight because he ran out of shit to talk about. But I always manage to do it somehow. I have no idea. Um, uh, apparently, guess four two six three eight eight did it quickly, and I'm wondering what guess four two six three eight eight did quickly. Perhaps it was sex. Maybe I don't know. Because that would make sense. Um, <laughs> I have no idea who the fuck it is, but no, okay. Uh, where was I at? Uh, okay. New releases and reveals for the week. Is that what we're doing now? Okay. Then uh, let's uh, start with one from... Nin ah! <laughs> J5. He made the switch to craft quickly. Well, you know what? Uh, I I don't know what to say about that because I may come across as racist. I have no idea. Uh, sometimes you know what? Sometimes you just make the switch quickly when it's like your eyes are opened and you're like, "Holy shit, this is fucking phenomenal! This is all I'm gonna drink for the rest of my life." I think, you know, I, I would assume people, you know, get into that, like, with whiskey and stuff, too, where, you know, they find a good whiskey, and then, you know, they're just, they're, they're stuck with that. It's like, uh, well, I guess, I guess I'm buying expensive whiskey for the rest of my life. So, first beer here we got from Ninkasi. This is Ground Control. Now, the important part of this, it's a beer using yeast that's been to space. Yes, Space. It's an imperial stout brewed with Oregon hazelnut, star anise, cocoa nibs, along with Apollo, Bravo, and Comet hops. You sense a theme there. Regarding the space yeast, uh, Ninkasi's first attempt, Mission 1, launched from Black Rock Desert in Nevada, July 2014. But after the payload hit the ground nine miles from its intended landing site, the yeast sat undiscovered for 27 days, and sitting in the desert for that period of time kind of killed the yeast. The second attempt was successful in October 2014, Yes, it is a gimmick, but it's kind of a catchy one. It's going to be available in 22-ounce limited edition bottles for just under $20 in Alaska, Alberta, Arizona, California, Colorado, Idaho, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, Vancouver, as well as limited availability in New York, uh, Washington, D.C., and at select events. Uh, next one we got here is one I actually uh, talked about a little bit. This was just released recently. Um, monkey shoulder... Wait. Monkey shoulder whiskey? <laughs> oh, dude monkey shoulder whiskey? Oh, monkey shoulder, not dude monkey shoulder. Uh, mon monkey shoulder whiskey? S should I search Google for monkey shoulder? I'll be damned. Monkey shoulder whiskey. Monkey shoulder blended malt scotch whiskey. I'm curious about this now because I have oh damn it i don't want to enter my <sighs> you know what i'll <laughs> j5 i will look at this after the show because i'm very much intrigued by this uh fuck the bottle looks nice too god damn i'm gonna have to find out how good that is i believe you dude if you say it's tits i'm gonna believe it's tits boy how white do i sound saying that abigail from six point <laughs> uh 
This is, uh, of course, in cans because it's six point. Oh, J5 is saying go over my time. Well, you know, if I cut in J5's time a little bit, I will. I'll try not to. Oh, J5 says he has nothing today. <laughs> I'll be helping him out. This is Six Point's first canned Belgian-style ale ever. Uh, can't really tell by looking at the can, but it is a Belgian-style ale. 8 point, uh, no, 8 point, 8% ABV Belgian pale ale brewed with American hops and Belgian yeast. It is out now. Um, yeah, because I've seen it on, uh, I've seen it on shelves, and uh, Nick from This Is Never Gonna Work was also drinking it on uh, the last episode of their shoe. Uh, next one, we've got New Belgium Oatmeal IPA. This one sounds very good to me. Unfortunately, it's a, a draft-only release, which really bummed me out. Um, it's a collaboration with Chicago's Half Acre Beer Company. And, uh, whoa, what the hell did I... Did I just, like, post something blank? That was interesting. How did I do that? Uh, well, that's not working. Whatever. Uh, velvety mouthfeel with pine grass and guava, courtesy of Citra and Centennial Dry Hopping, along with oats and toasted malts. Like I said, a wide release, but draft only. 6% ABV. Uh, Oscar Blues and DC Brow. Smells like freedom. Now, this is another one of those supposed weed-smelling beers that I was talking about that... I'd like to try it, but I'm wondering if I'm really going to get that aroma profile out of it. Like, I haven't smoked weed in like 10 years, but you never forget what it smells like, and I still haven't gotten that aroma yet from those beers that make that claim. But anyway, Smells Like Freedom. It's a tribute to Initiative 71 that legalized marijuana in Washington, D.C., at least in terms of possession and growing it. Still can't be bought or sold. It's an IPA with a mix of hops that supposedly smells like fresh cannabis. The majority of the release is draft. Cans are exclusive to Washington, D.C. If anybody wants to send me a can of this, I would appreciate this. <laughs> a can of this cannabis? Yeah. No, okay. Nobody to high-five here. Oh, self-five? Okay. Uh, debuted at a special party in Washington, D.C. last week, March 17th. 7% ABV. Uh... Couple more here. We've got one from Avery Brewing. We have, uh, and I'm gonna fuck up the pronunciation of this, but I'll do it anyway. Insula Multos Culibus, number 27 in their barrel aged series. It is a bourbon barrel aged sour ale with cherries added, meant to resemble an old fashioned. That sounds fucking good. Uh, it's slated to be bottled next month. As you, If you're in the chat there, you can kind of see on the label there, it says bottled April 22nd, 2015. Obviously, that hasn't happened yet, so they're kind of planning ahead. 12-ounce bottles, I'm assuming singles, not six-packs. So you're probably, I get the feeling, if you find this, you're probably paying seven, eight bucks a bottle as my Sharpie goes flying. Uh, 1,265 cases produced, 9.1% ABV. Then we got some uh, newbies from Stone. Uh, let me see, are the Red Wings losing yet? No, they're not. Uh, Kings and Rangers are tied after one. Pittsburgh and St. Louis are scoreless, tie after one. Anaheim's beating Columbus. Tampa Bay's beating Florida. Shit. Uh, let me open that up. Okay. Uh, oh, from Stone. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. The 2015 odd year Russian Imperial Stout. 
is going to be chai spiced. I'm very curious about that one. If I see that, I'm pi- actually, you know what, I'm picking up two bottles of that one because I would like to sell her one for a change. Um, I like chai spices. Um, I, if I remember correctly, I think Dennis does too. So this might be one that he would be open to trying as well. Um, Ruination is being retired to give way to Ruination 2.0, basically wanting to modernize the recipe. And Stone Pale Ale is being retired to give way to Stone Pale Ale 2.0, again, modernizing the recipe. Um, when both initial recipes were created, Stone says a false... This is why my show takes so long, because I stumble all over my fucking self. A far smaller number of high alpha acid hops were available compared to present day. Myriad brewing techniques for extracting hop flavor and bitterness had yet to be invented. And uh, our palates were less used to onslaughts of lupulin, and we felt like we'd maxed out the IBU possibilities. So those are your new releases reveals. Keep an eye out for those. Uh, I would, I am going to keep an eye out for next time I see Abigail. I think I may pick up a four-pack of that, along with maybe some other six-point uh, six, six stuff that I find. Now that I uh, re- try and remember, Resin is the double IPA. And uh, Crisp is the German Pilsner. I'll remember this stuff. I really will. Uh, Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Twitter at E-D-I-C-I-U-S. Odysseus at ABV underscore podcast. Untapped. Friend me. It's alcohol by volume. All one word. Coming up next, we have my time now with J5, who is already in the chat. And I am very pleased with that. He says go Sharks. Um, eh, sharks, are, sharks are pretty much pretty much out of the playoff picture, dude. They got like a one percent chance of making it, but hey, if if they can do something to fuck with LA's chances, I'm all good for that. So J 5s next, my time now, followed by Dutch and Royce. I will see you guys next week. Have a good one.